The game is done. David, you are my favorite Dodger insider. Time for Dodger Talk. If you ready for the brand new thing, let me hear you. We break down all the action and give you your chance to react. David Vassay is going to join us. LA's favorite son. 866-987-2570. We are rolling, boy, rolling. It's time for Dodgers Baseball. All right. Dodger Nation. Dodger Talk is brought to you by Chef Marito. Seasoning partner of the Dodgers. By Navian Tankless Water Heaters. For endless hot water, visit tanklessmadesimple.com. And by Chevrolet. Buy new roads. And now your host for Dodger Talk. David Vassay. David Vassay. With you until 7 o'clock on Dodger Talk, 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Dodgers fall to the Marlins today 2-1 to one, thanks to a great pitched game by Sandy Alcantara by the Marlins. He is now 12-6 and six on the season after going the distance and striking out 10 Dodgers. We've got a great show for you between now and 7 o'clock. We will try to check in with Jose Moda live in Miami. Also, we have an update on Clayton Kershaw. You'll hear from Clayton in just a moment. Plus, I wanted to share with you yesterday some of Rick Monday's fondest memories of being part of Dodger Town in Vero Beach since the Dodgers are back in Florida where they used to train for so many springs going back to the Brooklyn days. And Rick being a Dodger since 1977 obviously has a lot of history there. And in case you didn't know this, Rick Monday's off-season home is Vero Beach, Florida. So in some ways, these are home games for Rick Monday. So we got a lot to get to between now and 7 o'clock, including you at 866-987-2570. Look, today was just one of those days. Tough to beat Sandy Alcantara twice in over a week. And I thought Trey Turner tipped off, and no pun intended there, what the Marlins were suspecting last week at Dodger Stadium, that Sandy Alcantara somehow, some way was tipping his pitches and the Dodgers knew what to identify and that helped them beat him up at Dodger Stadium. Today, he did not allow too many base runners. He scattered six hits, he only allowed two walks, and he had 10 strikeouts. One of those walks came in the ninth inning to Justin Turner. So for the first eight innings, he only allowed one walk, and he retired 17 of 18 going into the ninth inning before the Dodgers were able to load the bases and really push him to the limit. You know, he was at 83, 84 pitches in that ninth inning, and they forced him to throw 111 and pushed him to the limits to be able to get the final out of the game. And that is why I said at the beginning of the clubhouse show that Alcantara and the Marlins survived the Dodgers. And that was their identity a few years back. Even though they would lose games, you felt like the opposing team survived rather than they beat the Dodgers in the regular season. And with the way the Dodgers have been playing since the end of June, you kind of feel that way, that teams are surviving the Dodgers more than beating the Dodgers. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Dustin May made his second appearance since coming off Tommy John surgery. It was his second start. He went six innings today, allowed just two earned runs. The go-ahead run scored in the sixth inning because with two outs, Dustin May could not come up with a a little ground ball that he charged off the mound, and it went underneath his glove as he tried to short hop it. 
That opened the door with two outs. And then the bigger mistake was a, was a ground ball hit to Chris Taylor. He was charging on the grass, a play he makes nine out of ten times but didn't this time. And the errors hurt the Dodgers in the sixth inning, and the Marlins were able to score the go-ahead run. And when you're in a pitcher's duel like this, you can't make mistakes. Whoever blinks first is going to lose. And the Dodgers blinked first in the sixth inning, and that's all Sandy Alcantara needed the rest of the way. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Let's head back to Miami right now to hear from Dustin May, who pitched another good game off his Tommy John surgery. Uh, yeah, I thought it was okay today. Uh, execution was pretty poor uh, and a lot of a lot of good places for um, execution to be needed. Um, wish I could take the ground ball air back on my end, um, but can't do that, so um, just got to look forward. Is there something you uh, are going to really focus on your next bullpen to prepare for your next start, whether it's something with the execution or is there anything you kind of point to? Uh, just being able to get out front of a lot of pitches. Uh, a lot of stuff was just kind of spinning out of hand or a yank, so I'm um, just trying to not get over-amped up in situations where I shouldn't. Do you get up for a start against a guy like Sandy more than you do a typical start? No, I mean, I'm not facing him. I mean, i got to go out and do the same thing, so um, I don't look at it any differently now. What happened on the ground ball? Uh, in my head, I, I wanted to catch it before it bounced, and I just I didn't get to it, and then it went right under my glove. you going to be seeing that in your nightmares tonight? Mm, no. I mean, there's no reason to overlook it. I mean, it's done and over with. Quite honestly, yeah, he should have made that play, but the bigger mistake to me was the error that is going to show up in the line score by an actual infielder whose job it is to field ground balls. And that was Chris Taylor. His error could have been the final out of the inning, and the Dodgers could have got out of that and still be tied going into the or the top of the seventh inning. So, yeah, I don't think that type of question should be directed towards Dustin May. Maybe it should be directed to Chris Taylor because he was the one that let uh, Dustin May down. By the way, Chris Taylor... He just has not found his footing this season. I know, and no pun intended, because he broke his left foot, but he just has not been very good at the plate this year. I know everybody focuses on Cody Bellinger and Max Muncie, and that's fine, and everybody loves Chris Taylor. So do I. But Chris Taylor has not been very good this year offensively, in case you haven't noticed. He has 128 strikeouts this year and only eight home runs. He has admittedly said he only has one club, one swing. Maybe he should start to adjust that and come up with a different swing because uh, so far this season, it really hasn't worked for him. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Sandy Alcantara carves up the Dodgers today to beat them 2-1 to one in Miami. Also, a big day in Miami before this game even started. This was a 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern start time in Miami. So earlier in the day, at 1 o'clock Eastern time, Clayton Kershaw threw a simulated game, and he threw four innings of simulated baseball through 70 pitches. And after he was done with all that, he spoke to the reporters in Miami and was asked, what does this simulated game accomplish? I mean, I would have liked to have pitched better, but you know, ultimately, you just have to do it to get your pitch count up as a starter, right? You don't want you don't want to um, 
it was really the only reason to do it was to throw pitches. So I, I did that. I threw, you know, I think I almost threw 70 pitches, so um, over four innings and uh, felt good. So I think, you know, health and quantity is the most important thing. And, you know, obviously you'd like the quality to be there too, but sometimes in those situations it's hard to, hard to replicate. Did you accomplish the same thing doing one of those as opposed to like a rehab game or, or something uh, like that? I think, uh, I think there's both pros and cons to both. You know, obviously a little bit more controlled setting, less travel to do this, you know, um, which, is, which is good for me. Um, not the same as a game, obviously, too. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both. But I think in this situation, this was the right thing to do. And they asked Clayton, when is he going to make his start? When is he coming back? And I told you last night. I uh, have a great feeling, and I could be wrong. Nobody has told me one way or the other, but I have a great feeling that Clayton Kershaw and me will be making our return to Dodger Stadium the same day uh, next or this upcoming Friday against the Padres. I feel like that is going to be his start day. It's at Dodger Stadium. It get, it's against a team that he has handled. Why throw him into the Lions Den in New York at City Field? I know he wants to, but it just feels like all signs are pointing to Friday at Dodger Stadium, so you could count on that. Also, speaking of that, I have told you that Clayton's back has felt good for the last couple of weeks. This is more just being extra cautious with him, and also the return of Dustin May allowed the Dodgers to maneuver the roster in a way where they can drop Kershaw in next Friday at Dodger Stadium, but obviously Clayton wants to pitch when he's feeling good. Yeah, no, I felt good for a while now. Um... You know, I think the situation that we're in, this is more just kind of a, a roster decision than anything. Um, you know, I felt I felt pretty good for a while now. So, um, you know, take it. We took it slow. Did two sim games and ready to go. And um, you know, s sometimes you can't decide when you get to pitch. You know, they tell you. So I, I'm just trying to listen to them as best I can. Not be too impatient. <laughs> He always speaks with a purpose. He does everything with a purpose. He wanted to let you know that he feels good enough to pitch, but the Dodgers are holding him back because of, like I said, being cautious with him, protecting him from himself, getting him ready for October, and also maneuvering the roster. So he spelled it out for you right there. And thanks to Sportsnet LA for sharing that Clayton Kershaw interview with us. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. When we continue here on Dodger Talk, your phone calls at 866-987-2570. Plus, we'll hear from Rick Monday, and we'll check in with Jose Moda live from Miami. Sandy Alcantara, I'll say this right. Sandy Alcantara carves up the Dodgers with a complete game, his fourth of the season. Marlins beat the Dodgers 2-1 on AM 570 LA Sports. On air at AM 570, online at am570lasports.com, and available by podcast on the iHeartRadio app. This is Dodger Talk with David Bassett. This is Dodger Talk. David Basset with you until 7 o'clock tonight right here on AM570 LA Sports. The Dodgers get beat by the best pitcher in the National League, Sandy Alcantara, 
beat the Dodgers today with a complete game, 2-1 to one in Miami. This was game two of a four-game series in Miami. Uh, tomorrow, game three, and the finale before the Dodgers head to New York to play the Mets is on Monday. And obviously, we always encourage you to have breakfast and the Dodgers right here on AM570 LA Sports. But if you're looking to make it a simulcast on television, you'll have to stream the game because it's on a streaming app, Peacock, where Saved by the Bell can be found. That's all I know about Peacock. I watch Saved by the Bell, the reunion on, uh, on that streaming service. That's the only time I've ever, ever watched anything on Peacock, but tomorrow we'll watch the Dodgers and Marlins with the sound down and Tim Neverett and Jose Moda on the call right here on Dodgers Radio AM570 LA Sports. Now, going back to this game, and I'll just mention this once more. Sandy Alcantara today flipped the script on the Dodgers, meaning they were expecting fastballs. That's what they had seen from Alcantara uh, last week at Dodger Stadium and the previous four or the previous three outings against them. Today, Alcantara smartly flipped the script on the Dodgers, meaning he threw his fastball less than his other pitches. 111 pitches today, and Alcantara threw only 20 fastballs. He threw a lot more sinkers, and excuse me, a lot more sliders, and a lot more... Uh, change-ups. That's what he threw today. And the Dodgers had no answer. The hits the Dodgers got were off his fastball. The only hit the Dodgers did damage on as far as Alcantara's secondary pitch was a flat slider to Mookie Betts in the third inning, which was his 30th home run of the season. Let's hear Mookie's home run, Colin. Betts with a shot to left center field. That one is well hit, and that one is gone. Mookie Betts is on fire. Four for six last night, two home runs, and he has just blasted his 30th home run of the year, and the Dodgers take a one-to-nothing lead. Oh, Mookie Betts is red hot. No doubt, his fourth home run against the Marlins, and that was Mookie's 30th home run of the season, third time in his great major league career he has hit at least 30 home runs. And Daniel Stuhler's home run forecast would like to congratulate Julie Zaga of my town, Woodland Hills, who Julie wins a $50 Daniel Stuhler's gift card for correctly predicting the number of home runs in the game. For your chance to win a $50 gift card, good at over 100 Daniel's locations, all you have to do is go to am570lasports.com and type in the keyword home run. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. So back to the point. Alcantara threw 38 sliders today, 35 change-ups, and only 20 fastballs. He mixed in 18 sinkers. That is completely flipping the script on the Dodgers. And I have seen this before by really good pitchers having really good seasons. The one thing that really sticks out to me was the 2019 NLDS. Steven Strasburg flipped the script on the Dodgers. They were anticipating heavy fastballs. Instead, he started to throw secondary pitches. Same thing with Patrick Corbin, secondary pitches. And the Dodgers were paralyzed by analysis, pregame analysis. The Dodgers have got to find a way to be nimble enough in the postseason when they are facing pitchers like Sandy Alcantara to be able to make in-game adjustments. Some guys do it better than others. 
Some guys are pointed in the right direction better than others. But as a group, they better find a way to do better than what they did today and what they did in the 2019 NLDS as far as making in-game adjustments. And as far as last year's NLCS against Max Freed, they didn't make in-game adjustments either. So that, if you have to ask me what concerns me the most about the Dodger offense, that's it. It's, it's a deeper dive of them making in-game adjustments against the best in baseball. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Alcantara today had 10 strikeouts against the Dodgers to win his 12th of the season. You heard from Dustin May, six innings in his second start since rehabbing from Tommy John's surgery. The Dodgers are in Miami, obviously playing the Marlins, and Rick Monday made his way back to Vero Beach. That's where he makes his offseason home and his baseball home for so many years, being part of the Dodger outfield since 1977. I'm sure you've heard the former Dodgers that trained at Dodger Town and the love they have for it and the baseball community they had for it and how it exuded everything Dodgers. Well, yesterday on the pregame show, I had a chance to visit with Rick Monday for him to share his beloved memories of Dodger Town that years have gone by. Rick, yourself and other Dodger legends have told me how special Dodger Town was in Vero Beach. And they don't talk about the fields. They talk about the dining hall. What made that so special and why did that create so many stories? Because everyone ate together. And I think if you go back really into the history, I mean, when they first took over that uh, abandoned Navy base where during World War II, they trained the night fighters, uh, the, the flyers there. In Melbourne, they, they trained, I think it was the torpedo uh, planes uh, just 30 miles north of there. But at Dodger Town, with originally the barracks that were there, two-story barracks and then the dining hall. And there's some great photos, and you can see them around Dodger Stadium as well, uh, that it showed uh, it didn't matter if you were in A ball or if you were in the big leagues. Most everyone at that time stayed on base at Dodger Town. So you might sit down for breakfast maybe with Duke Snyder. You might sit down for breakfast with Jackie Robinson. You might sit down with, at breakfast with who knows who you're going to be with, and you're an A-ball. So uh, they were able to co-mingle uh, the minor leagues with the, with the major leagues, and you really got the feeling then, and it carried on even when they upgraded the, the facilities into the dining room, that there was a great camaraderie within the organization as a result of setting down and, and everything was one. Oh, there were two different locker rooms, but it was the same uniform, and you might be breaking bread with somebody that you were saying, hey, wait a minute, I've, I've been looking at you for about three or four years in college, and now I'm sitting down. I would love to be in your place at the major league level, and sometimes it worked. How did your manager, Tommy Lasorda, fit into that dining hall, and how loud was he, and how much attention did he command? Did he command the room? Um... You know, the dining room was always, uh, in my experience, has been uh, a quiet. It's been respectful. And uh, even to this day, you know, Major League Baseball has taken over uh, historic Dodger Town and now it's the Jackie Robinson Training Center. And in that dining room, there is a great mural that is painted. And it's probably, oh, I'm thinking uh, 30 feet at least, if you're looking at it from the back of the dining room, 30 feet from left to right. And in that uh, dining room, on that mural, it's Dodger Stadium. So you know, there was a close connection, and there still is. Even though other events are taking place, the RBI program, the, you know, reviving baseball in inner cities, 
uh, as a result of the Jackie Robinson Training Center now, they have their World Series being held at now Jackie Robinson Training Center. Uh, the umpiring uh, training is also there. That takes place in uh, early January or late, uh, I should say, late January or early February. And uh, for those, we mentioned before, too, if, if someone is interested in professional umpiring, uh, check out Major League Baseball because this year they're also helping from a financial standpoint those that might be interested, screen, and maybe qualify to attend uh, the uh, the umpiring school that's going to be a, located at the uh, historic Dodger Town. I've been there a few different times, and, and the people that run that are just uh, top notch. They go over the rules. It's really something to just go and observe, even if you're not interested in being an umpire. If you're in the area to go see, they're in the classrooms in the morning and then in the afternoon. They're on the field and they throw everything at them. They throw different scenarios as far as the rules. They throw different scenarios as far as the pitching, the strike zone, the camaraderie, the professionalism of umpires. It's really something to watch. And then when you see in the big leagues, the reason those umpires are here, they're the best available in the major leagues. Hey, they talk about the field of dreams in Iowa. To me, the field of dreams has always been Holman Stadium and Dodger Town in Vero Beach. Maybe the Dodgers should play a game there one day, Rick. Well, in a lot of our minds, David, <laughs> we play games there almost every day. All right, Rick Monday, love it. Love those memories of Dodger Town and Vero Beach, and obviously you could tell it has a very close place to Rick's heart and certainly many Dodgers that train there. The legends of Dodger baseball roam those fields, and guys like Roy Campanella, even after he was in a wheelchair, he had Campy's Corner where he would instruct Dodger catchers. There was the strings area to help Dodger pitchers have more fastball command. There was Maurice Pitt where he would teach guys how to slide and bunt. That place was baseball through and through. 866-987-2570. Before we get to uh, Jose Moda, I just want to let you know the reports of Danny Duffy's baseball demise were greatly exaggerated because last night at Rancho Cucamonga, Duffy started for the Quakes and pitched a 1-2-3 inning. So like I told you last night, don't rule out Danny Duffy being some sort of part of this equation of 26 games and 28 days to close out the regular season now let's head out live to miami where jose moda is jose i heard you talk about and rightfully so praise what sandy alcantara was able to do to the dodger lineup today you know what uh credit to uh where credit is due and sandy alcantara was the version that uh, he had never been against the dodgers uh i think overall after the lineup by Freddie Freeman in the third inning, I think he got a little angry and said, wait a minute, I'm still getting hit hard here. That ball was right at somebody, but Mukibes had tagged him. Um, and, you know, that's what those guys do. The guys that are at that level, they find a way. Um, they go and get caught up in perhaps if he was tipping or not. He knows that if he made pitches, you know, some good things were going to happen. Now, I tip my hat to the Dodgers because till the very, very end, they came back and made him work to the very last out. And uh, unfortunately, they came out in the short end. But uh, overall, the numbers for a counter, he's finally going, well, finally, I got to get this team to get a W. And I took every single effort from him. I heard you say how impressive you were with the way he manipulated the baseball today and carved up the Dodgers. I just thought the Dodgers weren't making the in-game adjustments against a very good pitcher. And I mentioned this throughout the show that – 
the Dodgers never made the adjustments to uh, Sandy flipping the script on them, meaning not throwing as many fastballs as he did the last time they saw him. And, um, you know, I, I do see your point. Um, and at the same time, when, when somebody throws his fastball 99 to 100, you, you, yeah. in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, you're still thinking fastball all the way. And, you know, he's tall, lanky, so his extension is superb. So that is the time that the ball releases. He's right on you because he's a big frame guy, you know, a tall, lanky guy. Um, but it's all about where he was starting those breaking balls. You notice that in the first couple of innings. He was using some backdoor ones, which were kind of just slipping out of his hand. But, boy, once he found the release point out front, um, Dave, I must say a very good hitting team, the best hitting team that uh, we've seen in a long time in, in a Dodger uniform, was pretty much uh, you know halted by a guy that made pitches when he needed to and um, did not shy away from the zone. I mean, he made quality pitches in pretty much everything at will was below the knees. Jose, I felt, well, I'll just be honest with you and transparent as I was with the listeners. I was told the Marlins were suspicious that when the Dodgers got base runners last week against him, he was doing something to tip his pitches. Today, he limited base runners. How much was that a factor today? It was a big factor. I talked about this, um, you know, with Charlie during the broadcast and and, and in the pregame saying, well, if, if, if his concern is that he was doing something to tip off his pitches. Well, that's a good thing for the Dodgers because, you know, if he wasn't and they just, uh, you know, they just happened to attack him at Dodger Stadium the way they have done it, you know, in his previous starts against them, then uh, if he had that ounce of doubt in his mind, that's a good thing. But it wasn't so much about the base runners. I think even his comment and his quote was more about they have have a way of finding out what a guy's throwing. So um, there's there's something to be said about, guys passing on information and it's part of the game you see something the way he's only his glove um, i mentioned too that sometimes guy in between it between starts will go out there and start wiggling and say let me use a different glove sometimes guys have gone to a bigger glove um set up their hands differently just because in their back of their minds there's, there's that but if it was in his mind <laughs> it did not bother him at all he was able to just say you know what no matter what if i make a good pitch even if i know something's coming uh, and I can hide it just a little bit more. I'm going to get some outs, and, and you got it done. Jose Moda is joining us live from Miami. Jose, with all that being said, the Dodgers still pushed Alcantara to the limits in the ninth inning right. where they were able to load the bases, and he threw 111 pitches when it was all said and done. To me, that kind of just tells you that some of these teams and even the best pitcher in the National League sometimes even has to survive the Dodgers, not necessarily beat the Dodgers. You're absolutely right. Coming back um, you know, on our ride back from the ballpark, talking to Charlie and Tim and Dwayne, it's like it took the last pitch, and I really thought that ball of the gallowhead was going to get by, by Diaz. Um, so, you know, take this game and know that if a couple of plays are made by the Dodgers, we're talking about perhaps something different and maybe even a concert is not even a factor other than just stopping the offense for, you know, eight or nine innings. But they came down to uh, what appeared more like a, a playoff game in which you have to make plays. And there's no doubt that from Dustin May to DS himself and to Chris Taylor knows that those ground balls in the big leagues have to be outs. I don't care what the officials – or thanks there's a standard set for major league fielders and the frustration shown by dustin may is not because it was a tough play it's because he missed it and 
that is going to happen. But again, those are the things that make a difference when you have somebody like Alcantara and you have somebody like Dustin May also pitching his heart out. Uh, and what makes the biggest difference is that. But um, I do love the way the Dodgers came all the way to the very end, knowing that one more mistake or that ball goes, you know, two feet to the right of, of the first baseman and they're back in that game. When you look at the sixth inning, Jose, I know people are pointing at Dustin May's misplay where he came up short trying to make that play to end the inning. But to me, the more egregious mistake was the error by Chris Taylor, who was paid to field ground balls. I agree with you on this play that, um, you know, he, he's got to make. Um, he's got a better angle. Obviously, he's got to go out there and charge. Uh, not sure if he lost the ball at some point, but there, no matter what, there's no excuse on a play like that. And, and you know, Chris Taylor himself knows this guy is out there getting a lot of ground balls. And, and that's another thing, too. With, with Dustin May, I mean, he got a ton of ground balls first time out. He is a career around 52% ground ball. So anticipate the ball being on the ground. And um, when you do that as an infield, trust me, the feeling is I did not do my job. And it should have been an out. And he should have been out of that inning. And I paid, obviously, for a team like the Marlins. They're asking for situations like that. They're asking for a need break like that. And they capitalized on it. Jose, what was going on at Marlins Park tonight? Last night, just over 9,000 fans. <laughs> tonight, a very loud 23,543. What was going on? A Don Mattingly bobblehead? What was happening? No kidding. Well, what was going on? It was uh, Venezuelan Heritage Night. You know how the Dodgers do a tremendous job with these uh, ticket packs and Heritage Night. The most recent one was Korean. Well, it was Venezuelan Heritage Night, and from the Venezuela National Anthem was sung before the game. Uh, they had uh, music pre- and post-game. Uh, obviously, uh, great display personalities. I saw some former players on the field, uh, former Marlins, former just big league players from Venezuela. A lot of flags. In fact, um, when the Venezuelan anthem was being sung, Bruce Argraterol had a Venezuelan flag around his back. I mean, that's how meaningful it is. And they were animated. I mean, 23,000. And uh, the last time the Marlins had over 20,000 fans in that ballpark, we got to go back to April 30th against the Seattle Mariners. So it was a fun environment. And at the same time, you know, on the national side of Venezuela, talking to a lot of them, they're so close to home here in Miami, but most of them don't have the options going back. So to them, it was a very special night and nice thing by the Marlins to recognize how much and how much they mean to the community and how well represented they are in the game of baseball. I love it, Jose. And also this game only took two hours and 17 minutes. Isn't it just about pitchers, starting pitchers, throwing strikes and going deep into the game to cut down on the time of games? Isn't that great when you don't have to use a bullpen that often? Isn't it great when you get strike one? Uh, isn't it great when, you know, for the most part, defensive plays were made? And then the pace of the game. You know, at one point I was, you know, talking during the broadcast, too, that Alcantara took advantage of one thing, too, is he got in a tempo where I thought at some point somebody needed to slow it down, and that was Cody Bellinger. It took, you know, four or five hitters to realize that, but he got into a tempo throwing strikes. But, um, Dave, you know, if, if you look at a guy like Dustin May today, and you see Alcantara. Alcantara's numbers are throwbacks. I mean, from innings pitched, yeah. quality starts, to strikeouts, to how many times he's – now 11 times he's done eight innings at least in 26 starts. That's remarkable. So I think it's an example that, yeah, the game has changed tremendously, but also more guys should be developed in the minor leagues and get the mentality in the big leagues to do exactly that. Dustin May was close to doing the same thing had he not been more limited. But, oh, boy, he was – 
so good, and no matter what, to be good pitching, you got to pitch well. And uh, just one play or two didn't go the Dodgers' way, but I do really applaud uh, uh, Dustin May and Ferguson and Bickford, obviously, on what they did in limiting the damage. All right, Jose, you mentioned Alcantara being a throwback. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman throwbacks, having started every single Dodger game. This is a quick turnaround, even though it's not the last game of this series. Tomorrow, a day game after a night game tonight in Miami. What's your prediction? Are both of those guys in the starting lineup tomorrow? Let's see. You got a quick turnaround. They have a day, a night game. And you got a righty on the mound. Uh, I'm going to say one of them hopefully gets an off day. Okay. We'll see. That's kind of, you know, with the Dodgers being 49 games above 500, those are, you know, the subplots to a season down the stretch. You got to believe it, and it's fun to talk about. I mean, to have the luxury of talking about this and not say, well, everybody needs to play tomorrow because, you know, they're just, you know, one game from the Giants or the Ponders or, you know, somebody's on your heels. It's a, it's a luxury, and trust me, Dave, um, <laughs> I haven't seen this or lived with myself in a long time, and, and I'm enjoying every single minute, every single game. Did you like the way I pronounced Sandy Alcantara's name? I feel like I made a big adjustment from a week ago, Jose. Yes, you did. I love it. Tomorrow is Urias. That's right. I know you've worked so hard on. And another thing, and Sandy Alcantara, he's actually from the hometown where my mom is in the Dominican, uh, a little place called Azua. So uh, might be some uh, family connections there, too. I love it. Maybe a distant cousin. Who knows? Give me some of that arm, man. <laughs> Check that family tree, Jose. <laughs> he got it. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Jose. Be well. You too. Bounce back tomorrow, my friend. Take care. All right. There he goes. Jose Moda, who was on the call tonight with Charlie Steiner. He'll be on the call tomorrow with Tim Neverett with uh, the Peacock streaming tomorrow morning. And by the way, speaking of Julio Urias, he will be on the mound tomorrow for the Dodgers, looking for his 14th win of the season. He's 13-7 and with an ERA of 236, going up against right-hander Edward Cabrera, who is 4-1 and with an ERA of 131. Morongo Casino, Dodgers on deck, begins at 8 o'clock. Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes will join us tomorrow morning before first pitch between the Dodgers and Marlins in Game 3 of this series at 9.05. That'll do it for us tonight on Dodger Talk. Thanks to Colin Yee back at our Burbank studios. Thanks to Dwayne McDonald back in Miami, probably partying right now on South Beach. Just kidding. Dwayne just goes straight home and orders room service and just devours hamburgers in every hotel that we go to in every city. In case you missed any of this show, you can podcast it on the iHeartRadio app. That's where you can find all your great Dodger content. Once again, the final score in Miami. The Dodgers fall to Sandy Alcantara 2-1 after he pitches a complete game. Ten strikeouts for the right-hander. The Dodgers bounce back tomorrow morning. Have a great rest of your Saturday. See ya. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.